thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. And historically, opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. And we are. But we are opposed around the world. Hello, people. By a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. It was 1776 when the founders signed the writ of independence from the Brits. It was revolution. So since Facebook. Would enslave us all again. Facebook. And deprive us <laughs> of our rights in the Constitution. Restore the Republic. Wake up, it's time to understand. Restore the Republic. We're losing our freedom in the land. Okay, it seems like Facebook's the only place that's letting us stream right now, except for Twitch as well. So, uh, go ahead and share this out, okay? Because we're not on YouTube or Periscope for some reason. Can you believe that? This is Band of Patriots you're hearing. I totally believe this song, by the way. And we do. America, arise. It's time to open up our eyes and march back down the road to freedom. If we look the other way, they'll take our rights away. Yeah, they will. So we, the people, must defeat them. So, the way that we can restore the Republic is by voting. That's right. And you know, there's so many people out there who say that they're Christians, but they, they stay home, they don't vote. So, I'm here to tell you, you gotta vote, people. Vote biblically. Vote for life. Vote for the traditional family. Vote for religious freedom. Printing money till we choke. Shoving taxes down our throats. Yeah. Bailing out banks we don't even owe. It's a ruination. Mm-hmm. They're invading our privacy. That's an understatement. could have sang it but I didn't <laughs> so that song is called uh, Take Our Freedom Back by Band of Patriots 
and it's actually a pretty old song. You can watch it on YouTube. They have this whole video. It's very cool. All right, there we go. All right, so on that, welcome to the show, everybody. I am your sweet and lovable host, which is debatable to some. <laughs> Those on the left who don't like me, but that's okay, I don't care. Um, so this is a weird thing. We usually live stream this show on Facebook, Periscope, YouTube, Twitch, and I think there's... That's it. And that's it. That's it. Before. And for, s for some strange unknown reason, tonight we can't... Randall can't get it to go live on YouTube or Periscope. Is that is that really surprising? Well, the encoder I mean, the encoder says it's connected, yeah. but but, but YouTube not. says no. Connect streaming software to start preview and and you and uh, yeah. and then uh, Periscope produces says fix errors to pre to uh, preview and I don't really see any errors. <laughs> I know, especially since it was working before. Yeah. Well, I have to tell you that there is a um uh there there's a um quote going around by by Senator Ted Cruz, which this is what he said. In the last election, fifty four million evangelical Christians stayed home. If Christians would simply show up and vote our values, we'll turn this country around. 54 million so-called evangelical Christians stay at home. So this morning, I tuned in to, to uh, Calvary Chapel Tino Hills uh, broadcast, um, and there was an awesome young man who gave a pro-life message, um, and it was great. Um, and, and, you know, it's interesting because I'm just going to tell you a couple of things about me in case you don't know, because, well, there's probably a lot about me you don't know. But one of the things I will tell you so, is that... I'm hearing you. Huh? This morning, I'm hearing you. I you are? To, oh, to, hold uh, on. I'll mute that. Okay. One of the things that I'll tell you is that when I was about 18 years old, I was introduced to the pro-life movement. Way back in the day, Randall Terry was, was doing Operation Rescue. And I was just a young, impressionable kid. I was a Christian. I was just born again a couple of years prior to that, literally. And I thought, you know, when I saw these aborted baby pictures, I thought that that was so sad and gruesome and that how can anybody do that, right? I mean, that's a baby. And God made that baby. Um, and there are people who are willingly killing that baby in the womb. And I was sad about that. I was like... You know, how can anybody do that? That's just so not nice. It's mean. It's cruel. It's heartless. You know, um, I was born in 1968, 52 years ago. I can say 52 now because I'm officially 52. Roe v. Wade was passed in 1973. I grew up with a mother that told me if that had been passed in 1968, I wouldn't be here. I know you guys would like... Your life would be so different without me in it. But God had different plans. And, you know, what I can tell you is that um, when I first saw that message of, um, you know, what, what was happening with babies, it broke my heart, you know. And I started to go out to Los Angeles where Randall Terry had Operation Rescues taking place. Um. And my friend Colleen, who is about eight years older than me, she was so radically uh, saved and 
and uh, wanting a child of her own. She was married and wasn't able to have children at the time. Um, but she ended up um, bringing me to this Operation Rescue event. And I've shared this before, but in case you didn't hear it before, always, it's always worth repeating because it was, it, was, it was what made me an activist. And my friend Cheryl at the time said, you're an activist. And I didn't understand what that meant really. But when I went to that Operation Rescue, all we did was sit and pray in front of an abortion clinic. That's all we did. I mean, literally, that's all we did. That's all we did. We just sat and prayed, right? And who would have thought that prayer would be such a threat to somebody? Let me tell you something. If prayer is not a threat to the enemy of God, then that person doesn't believe in God. But the fact that it is a threat tells you that God is real. Right? And inside who we are, God created us. In Psalm 139, it says, We're fearfully, we're wonderfully made. He knit us together in our mother's womb. You know, he, he knew our unformed substance before one of our days even came to be. Now, I don't know about you, but that blows my mind. And so I'm at this uh, rally and lots of peaceful protesting everything and and um you know remember i'm young and impressionable right so and and so i'm there and all these people who are activists many pro-choicers i guess um you know yelling things like keep your laws off my body keep your laws off my body just you know pounding their chest and 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 sadly and and and, and tragically brokenheartedly i see these women uh often have been abused by somebody um callously abused hurt and so they're angry right they're angry they're angry at the circumstance in some cases and frankly as time has progressed over these past something years you know 50 years um, just some of it's just flat out rebellion uh, against God. Some of it is ignorance, but 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 those people ardently defending murder and telling me that I'm evil because I'm sitting there and I'm praying for them. So the police at that time were very public, and they would come out and they would arrest the 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 pro-lifers who were sitting there and praying they would give the pro-lifers an opportunity to get up and leave without incident but the rule was and part of operation rescue was that nope we're going to stand there and if 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 they come to arrest you then what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to be limp basically be limp let the officers pick you up by your elbows and this and you get up and you walk and you don't resist arrest my friend Colleen, she's been arrested numerous times. I was just a kid. I chose not to get arrested because, frankly, I was scared and I didn't know what I would do if I got arrested. I mean, that was that's the fact. But what really blew me away, and it was, I think, God's way, even back then when I was just a teenager, showing me, was that the media would come out, they would cover these incidents, and, and they would do the interviews and pretend like they were your friend, but then... They would go and report the exact opposite on the news. And back then, it was only the big channels, you know, ABC, CBS, CB, and NBC. Is that right? Yeah. 
And so I remember going home that night watching how they covered this pro-life rally and it was amazing. They talked about how the pro-lifers were, were awful, horrible people and, and all the liberal activists, the gay activists that were spitting on us and stuff. They didn't show any of that, but they, they, they zoned in on one person that maybe did something inappropriate. They made it look completely opposite of what was going on. And I remember going home, and this was even before I knew Randall. I was even, wasn't even married yet. I, I just remember going home and thinking... That is so not true. That is not what happened. I was there. I saw what happened. And all that did for me was make me want to go out and just be even more pro-life. And so I started a company uh, a short time after that called Active Christian Media. That's actually the official covering of Bible News Radio. The name of my company is actually active Christian. Why? Because I want to be an active Christian. I don't want to be somebody that was just a, a loafing Christian. I want to be an active Christian. That's how the, that's how my name came, Active Christian Media. Plus, it was an A. It was at the beginning of the alphabet. In the phone book, it would have ended up in the A's. More people would see it. You know, it was all a marketing ploy. But, but it was really true, right? And so here, all these years later, as a middle-aged woman, we are for me, I'm at, it's like the first time in my life, if I was, if I had been blessed to have children, I would have children, Lord willing, in their 20s or 30s by now. And, and those children would be ardently pro-life because that's how I would have raised them according to God's word. People talk about, well, you know, I, you shouldn't be a one-issue voter. Why? Why not? <laughs> I am. I mean, I'm actually more than one issue voter, but if I had to vote on one issue, it would be life. It would be the abortion issue. Because if you are somebody who doesn't choose life and you believe that a, a baby is not worth anything, then all of that belief carries down through anything that you do. And sadly, we're seeing the effects of that today in our culture, big time. On so many levels. I mean, it used to be many years ago that we, that like friends of mine, like Dr. Dobson, they would be, you know, talking about the life issue and stuff. And, and, and sadly what happened, if you're a student of this stuff, then you know what happened was in the beginning, the church was like, oh yeah, the Bible says, the word of God says, this is what the Bible says. We should quote this, blah, blah, blah. And then some brilliant bozo behind the scenes who was in these, these quarters, these groups, decided to go, you know what? No, we should just argue this on the basis of science and take religion out of it. We'll take religion out of it. We'll take faith out of it. We'll just argue it on the basis of science. And then the opponents, they can't, you know, they can't deny that because they're all about science. So what happened? Well, the word of God was kind of like dusted off. It was, it was taken aside and put in the trunk, so to speak. And then all of a sudden, the discussion became one about science. Well, duh, hello. Science proves that that's a baby. I mean, you know, you got medical technology. This is why the pro-aborts uh, didn't want ultrasounds in crisis pregnancy centers because they know that when a woman sees that baby moving, they're more apt to not abort. So there's this big fight about that. They didn't want people to know what partial birth abortion was. And thank God that was overruled in our land. It was a big fight. 
But when that was overruled, that was a miracle because Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg three times voted for that, by the way. So all you liberal feminists out there who are praising this woman, you know, for her great work for women and equality and stuff, I don't know how you can support a woman who voted three times for the murder of a child as they're being born out of the woman. I don't know how I, you know, because basically that partial birth abortion procedure that she was advocating for three times, what that means is that that baby was coming out of that woman. That doctor would flip the baby, take those scissors or whatever it is they use, plunge them into the neck of that baby crush the skull of that baby and murder that baby that would have been perfectly healthy had he or she been born and given the right to live and also justice ruth bader ginsburg would also advocate for the death of the baby after it was born and there are evildoers today including kamala harris who would actually advocate for that as well if the baby is accidentally born alive because somebody didn't want that baby, they would, they would allow it to be killed. Now, I don't know what kind of human being does that. And, and so on, on that basis alone, we should be voting for Donald Trump because he's the most pro-life president in the history of our country, at least modern day history. Given that though, why not vote for life, right? I, I, I am like, going, why the big deal? Think about this. And then we'll get to our pray, uh, hope stand event or pray vote stand event. Cause this is just me up leading this. But what I will tell you is this, if you kill people, you don't have a future. And I remember the last time I was in California, right before we moved here to Tennessee, me and some friends went, went to Disneyland and we were doing a we were doing a protest and some of my friends were holding the gruesome pictures of the mur the murdered babies and there was this man and his kid that came up and saw that and the man the father was like so mad at us he was like violently like he wanted to kill us he, he was so ticked off at us he wanted to beat the crap out of us cuz we were there because we upset his child a little kid who saw those babies and knew that they were babies and that they were dead babies and she, and they were really sad that that baby was dead. And all I could say to that guy was, you like Disneyland, right? And he's like, yeah. I go, okay, well, then all we're trying to do is save them, save the babies so that they'll have customers. You know, if you don't have people... You don't have a future. If, if you look at China and their horrid one-child policy that they had Im implemented years ago where they killed all the female babies, look at China now. Look at how that population has tipped. You, you talk about the stupidity of mankind. I mean, there you go right there. Just look at China. You know, I mean, seriously, look at China. You know, so all that to say, I could go on and on. I could, I could talk about the family. I could talk about all this other stuff. But you know what, people? If you are a Christian and you read the Bible, there is no ambiguity about where you should be, you know, what your values should be. You should be pro-life. You should be traditional family. 
you know, those two issues alone right there. You should care about religious freedom. And I will tell you something very boldly, and that is if that Kamala and Joe get in, you're not going to have the religious freedom that you have today. That ain't going to happen. Because right now they're trying to shut us down as it is. All these ridiculous things that they're doing. And so tonight, this event that um, Jack Hibbs and, and others are doing, this pray, vote, stand thing, that's what this is. This is a challenge to wake people up in the church and to get them to vote. We're not telling you who to vote for, but I'm going to tell you, if you actually call yourself a Christian, you better vote according to biblical standards and biblical principles because it's the best thing for you and the country. And if you don't, you're causing a curse to come on our land. I mean, that's that's a thing. We are some of the luckiest humans in all of the world. The fact that we live in America, we have a voice in our republic, our constitutional republic. This is not a democracy. It's a constitutional republic. Have you ever said the Pledge of Allegiance? There's no democracy in there. It's to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God. You know, we have that right right now. Don't throw it away. You know, I was so proud this past week to go and help my dad vote. 92 years old. And and I watched my dad vote for Donald Trump. And I did not, like, go, hey, dad, vote for Donald Trump. No, my dad ain't no idiot. You know, he voted for Trump. He knows why. Um, so tonight there's going to be a whole bunch of people, including former guests of this show, General Jerry Boykin is going to be there, Dr. Albert Moeller, he's been on my show, and Virginia Prodan, those three are going to be speaking. They've all been a guest on this show. Um, so, Randall, um, I don't know if you were able to bring it up yet or not. Um, well, on the site it says to watch it, but it doesn't say how to watch it. It doesn't say how to watch it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really? Okay. Well, let's see here. Prayer registers a party. Yeah, you go to prayvotestand.org, and the first thing on that slider is watch the live stream, but then it doesn't say how to do that. Wednesday, October 14th. No, that can't be it. No. Yeah, so I don't know what's... <laughs> well, I know that they're doing it. I don't know. Uh, let's see. Well, how dare they, people? <laughs> Okay, so maybe if we go over to um, the Family Research Council website, maybe? I don't know. Well, hold on, people. See, we, we're not... Yes. Is it on there? Yes, it is. Okay, frc.org. Okay. All right, so Bareface found it because he has me, his brilliant host, to tell him where to go. <laughs> Into intuitively, uh, anyway, anyway, Randall, do you have any thoughts on that, or will that distract you from bringing it up, bringing up the the thing? So okay, so it is on YouTube. Okay, all right, so we're gonna pull it up, but you know, do me a favor if you guys don't mind, share this out on your Facebook page if you're if you so desire. I I would appreciate it because you know we get hidden everywhere, uh, and um, and not that I'm trying to get famous because I'm not. I really don't desire fame at all whatsoever. Um, it, you know, but I do desire the truth to get out. And, and you know, God's word is really clear on this, on, on the life issue. It's, he's very clear um, on it. You know, uh, the guy that spoke this, this morning, Seth, um, can't think Gruber. of his, Gruber. Yeah, okay. So this kid was 29 years old, 
And one of the things he shared I thought was really kind of cool was he talked about how um, uh, to love your neighbor at, when the when the rich young ruler was asked, um, you know. Who, who is my neighbor? You know, how do you read the law? Yeah. Yeah. Who is my neighbor? Yeah, I was just distracted. Um, you know, he he understood that the word of God said to worship the Lord your God and then love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, he got that right. But then when he asked the question, then he asked, who's my neighbor? Well, have you ever thought about that preborn baby that was made in God's image like you were as your neighbor? Have you ever thought about God's word where it says to rescue those who are perishing, who don't have a voice? That could be your that unborn baby that that's your neighbor. I, I thought that was so good. I, I was like, that's really good. So, um, so that's just something to think about. There's so much more though, but it looks like the Freedom Sunday event is starting, right? So we're going to cut over to that stream and, and watch it. At least some of it anyway. For the incredible work we're doing in our city of Los Angeles. A month ago, I received a letter from our city prosecutor saying that if we continued to meet, I would be arrested, put in jail for one year, and then our church members would be fined up to $1,000 per person. And then finally, they said, we also have the right to arrest your church members. Now, this is kind of crazy because we're not in communist China. We're not in the former Soviet Union. We're in the United States of America. And while we're allowing criminals to be released from prison because of COVID-19 crowdedness, we want to arrest in California law-abiding citizens who have no records whatsoever. They just simply want to exercise their First Amendment rights and worship on a Sunday. But I have to back up and just share how I got into this situation in the first place because we also mitigated on March the 15th, and we locked down our church for one month. But as uh, churches started to open up, especially I uh, was hearing uh, Pastor Jack Hibbs was going to open up on Pentecost Sunday, May 31st, and other churches, I began to pray about this, and I felt like the Lord speak to us as well, that we can't forsake the assembling of the saints, especially with the numbers we're not being as dramatic as, I mean, we didn't even come close to the numbers. And, of course, we were declared to be not essential. Abortion clinics are essential. Marijuana dispensaries are essential, but the church is not essential. But how many know that we've been essential for 2,000 years? And all the more with the pandemic, we need to be the first responders as believers to pray for people who are sick, those who are depressed, to pray for those who are fighting anxiety, and other emotional, mental challenges. But we had to lock down. When we did open up for a short period, Governor Newsom said no singing or chanting. <laughs> it's the first time an elected official is telling the church how to worship. Because as you know, the state should not establish a religion nor interfere with the free exercise thereof. And I thought, this is crazy. So we ended up suing Governor Newsom. And we were in a lawsuit, and we continued to meet every since uh, Pentecost Sunday. And that's when I got the letter saying they were going to arrest me. 
I've traveled around the world and I still say the United States is the best nation in the world because of our religious liberty and the biblical foundation of this nation. But I believe that this election is the most consequential election, the most important election, and I want to encourage you to vote. Vote biblically, vote for life. I know that as we have taken a step to really affirm our First Amendment rights, we've seen God bless our church. We've seen tremendous growth. The presence of God is the thing that I, I love uh, that has come. I feel that we're experiencing a new wave of awakening, of revival. And I believe this is a foretaste of what God wants to do in the United States of America. But I believe that we have to humble ourselves and pray, repent, but then put actions to our prayer by voting biblically. God bless you. Thank you for allowing me to share my heart with you. I'm so grateful for pastors like Pastor Cheon and Pastor Jack Hibbs and so many others that are standing and defending our first freedom, but defending it by exercising it. And as he said, this is an important election and we need to vote. I want to ask you, how many of you have taken the challenge to pray, vote, and stand? All right, many, many of you. But here, I'm going to give everyone an opportunity to take the challenge to pray, vote, and stand. If you have your phones, you can text the word vote to 53445. That's 53445, the word vote, to take the challenge to pray, to pray for our nation. We need to be praying. We need to commit to vote biblical values. And we need to stand upon biblical truth no matter what. Text the word vote to 53445. Pastor Amado Wizar is the executive pastor of South Bay United Pentecostal Church in San Diego, California, serving alongside Pastor Art Hodges. The, their church challenged the state's attendance limits for in-person worship. The United States Supreme Court rejected the court's emergency appeal, challenging those attendance limits for in-person worship during the pandemic. But... Pastor Amato understands that the church's being open is a matter of life and death. Please welcome Pastor Amato Wiesel. Amen. Why don't we give glory to God right now? Give him the greatest hand praise we've given him yet today. Thank you, Jesus. You are high and lifted up. Come on. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. This season has been darkened with a path. Our path has been darkened and society has seen many things shaken. Our barrios, our communities, our cities, our churches and our homes have been shaken up like never before. On March 15, 2020 was the last time we would gather in person at South Bay United Pentecostal Church in Chula Vista. And that Thursday on March 19th, the governor he issued a stay-at-home order. And it was immediate, and it was until further notice. And we thought that it was just a short time, so we obliged. And while we reacted and forced ourselves to amend our services, we thought that this was based on a short forecast, not knowing, even though we were voluntarily aligning to this, it was still un unconstitutional. For it is our right and privilege, amen, to worship God. <laughs> week after week, we were clamped. Having forcing ourselves to preach to a camera, hoping someone would be saved. But then we decided that we would join a, a lawsuit 
and we knew that this stay-at-home order was unconstitutional. We went to county court and then the Ninth Circuit Court, and two judges, Obama-appointed judges, ruled against us. And we appealed for an emergency ejunction, a restraining order against that judgment. And we took it to the Supreme Court, and Justice Keegan brought it to the entire uh, justices there, and it was ruled against us in a five to four decision. Now, that wasn't a defeat. It was just an injunction, an emergency order. And so we went back, and we're currently back at the Ninth Circuit, and the matter was at hand. We needed to have church, and on May 31st, Pentecost Sunday, we opened the doors, and the Spirit of the Lord moved. Amen. And we didn't look back, and we haven't looked back. And while we continue to follow CDC guidelines, I can tell you we are the safest church on planet Earth. No one has gotten COVID as a result of coming to our church. Our God is our refuge, and it's a matter of life and death. It's a matter of life and death. I came and rushed over here for this evening, this event. This morning, someone came, and they had a a tragedy this week. And they found someone, and that person invited them to church. They came to church today, and the Lord filled them with the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that life was changed because our church doors were open. And so there's a hunger and a desire. And we have linked arms with Catholics and Jews, amen, the Jewish community and the Christian community. And we've been praying and having rallies. And it was in August, the first Friday of August, that our world would be shaken. It's a matter of life and death. We still were giving food. Our church gives out food every single Friday, first Friday of the month. We were there serving, and a man comes and gets my attention. He says, I need to go inside the church and pray. Note that it would have been, it is unlawful for him to do that. We went in there. We prayed. He repented of his sins. He was filled with the Holy Ghost, and he was baptized in Jesus' name. He continued to go to church. And on the first Friday of September, the same day we were giving out food, I preached that man's funeral. You see, Brian was a part of the mafia. And the only way to get out was to be murdered by his own or by an enemy. But he realized he lived it out for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Had we been closed, he would have died a sinner. But thank God we were open. He died a child of God. Amen. We are desperate to open our churches. God bless you. Wow, that's pretty cool, huh? Isn't that a powerful, powerful testimony right there? It's a privilege for me to, to add my voice uh, to this effort Don by MacArthur. the Family Research Council and to give a little bit of a testimony of what's happened here at Grace Church over the last uh, six or seven months. We all responded the same way because we were told that millions of people were going to die and uh, we, we needed to shut down everything, and um, we could preach with a live stream. No people could come at all. And, of course, everybody responded the same way. Wow, we don't want to be responsible for, for death, so we'll, we'll do that. And so Sunday after Sunday, I, I preached to this auditorium empty. No one was here. Sunday after Sunday, I, I stood up and basically preached and it was broadcast across uh, the internet online and translated into five or six languages and went around the world, but nobody was here. I think about four weeks into that, it became apparent to our people 
here in California that uh, millions of people were not dying, that people were interacting more with others and uh, they were not as fearful as they had initially been led to believe they should be. And so they started coming back to church. There were dozens and then there were hundreds and we never made an announcement. We never said it's time to come back, but they kept coming and kept coming and pretty soon there were hundreds and then there were thousands and and now there are so many coming on Sunday we fill up the auditorium standing room only we fill up the chapel we fill up uh, the family center gymnasium we have a huge tent in the parking lot and that's full we don't tell them anything about social distancing we don't tell them anything about masks we let them make their own judgment but the statistics indicate to us and these statistics are valid that in California If you're between, for example, 50 and 64, you have a one chance in 19.1 million of dying from COVID. People know that. They see that. In fact, even catching COVID, it only happens to one one one-hundredth of one percent of the people in California. So our people have become aware of the fact that the fear that is being generated doesn't relate to reality. We have our church open, and we've been open for a couple of months now, and we're packed out everywhere. We have never had anyone that we know of in the hospital. Certainly no one has died. And we don't currently have any known cases of COVID. There were a couple of folks in the past in the early part of the virus that um, had some sickness, but recently we haven't had any indication of that at all. We feel that this is what needs to happen in a time like this. Church needs to be open. Uh, we're not going to kill people by being open. We may, we may save them from a fate worse than death, and that is eternal judgment in hell by giving them the gospel and of all times to be open and of all times to be proclaiming the truth. This is the most critical time. The, the county wanted to take away our parking. The courts would not let them do that. We've been to court seven times, and uh, we're still open. The, the court has not allowed the city, using all their strategies, to shut us down. God has blessed us being open. More than just the physical opportunity to meet, the spiritual impact has been incredible. And I, I would just encourage you, open your church. We have just followed the Lord, the head of the church. We will obey God rather than men. And one other thing to say. You need to vote, and you need to exercise your vote, not so much along some traditional party line. You need to vote for those people who have the closest to a biblical stand on morality. That means you can't vote for someone who votes for the murder of babies in in abortion. You can't vote for someone who supports same-sex marriage. You can't vote for someone who advocates transgender behavior. You can't vote for someone who ignores God and his word. Use your vote to make an act of righteous conduct. And you have to vote so that you can take the opportunity to express your righteous convictions on behalf of the Lord himself. Thank you, Pastor MacArthur. And we have a resource for you for a voter guide so you know where those candidates stand on these important issues. Again, you can text 
the number 53445, your zip code. Put in your zip code and text 53445 and you'll get your own voter guide that will tell you where the candidates stand on the important issues. Again, text your zip code to 53445 and uh, you'll get your own voter guide. And again, that's the same number to take the challenge to pray, vote, and stand just and put in the word vote to 53445. Anybody remember what that number is? 53445? All right, I hope in the middle of the night you wake up 53445. Ryan Tucker is Senior Counsel and Director of the Center for Christian Ministries at Alliance Defending Freedom. Let's thank Alliance Defending Freedom for the great work that they do. Ryan oversees all litigation efforts defending the constitutionally protected first freedom, the freedom of religion. And he's here with us tonight because he is also representing the Nevada church in its case against the governor of Nevada that is saying it's okay for casinos to meet but not churches. This case went all the way to the Supreme Court where the court declined to enter an emergency application for injunctive relief to stop the governor's unconstitutional restrictions. It's time to change the court as well as open the churches. Please welcome Ryan Tucker. Thank you, Tony. By the way, thank you, thank you. I, I don't know how I can possibly follow what we saw earlier uh, tonight. I mean, what an amazing cast. I'm just a boring lawyer, so I have to do all the boring stuff. These are the guys are the real heroes. But thank you so much. My organization, ADF, uh, has been engaged uh, throughout these last six, seven months in a number of different battles. I'll never forget about six, so six and a half months ago, I got a frantic phone call. There was an individual on the other side that said, look, we have 15 people that have just been cited. And I said, well, what's the crime? Well, the crime, it was showing up to a drive-in service, a drive-in church service. These individuals had shown up, windows were rolled up, the, um, uh, these police officers had surrounded uh, these 15 individuals, knocked on their windows, and handed them citations. Now, keep in mind, this is Greenville, Mississippi, and right next door, right next to the actual church, was a Sonic drive-in restaurant. So you could go and you could have your burger and fries, but if you were to go just mere feet away and park in that parking lot, you would get a citation. So that started our engagement. Uh, fortunately, we were able to help that church, help those individuals, and take care of uh, that just unconstitutional act. But it didn't stop there. And I knew when I got that phone call that there would be a, a number of these across the United States. Because if the Bible Belt's being hit with this, then you know that this Pandora's box is being opened. And so one of those uh, more recent phone calls came from Nevada. And you saw Pastor Gary earlier in, in the video. And in Nevada, as Tony mentioned, as we've seen in the videos, uh, churches are limited in their number. At the time we filed a lawsuit on behalf of Calvary Chapel, they were limited to 50 people. But casinos, casinos are open at 50% capacity, meaning on the Las Vegas Strip, you can have hundreds, if not thousands of people packing it into a casino, all the while the church itself is limited. So 
We took that case. We filed that lawsuit. Uh, we went to the district court. We made that argument. And the district court looked at us and said, well, I think I'm beholden to some precedent, so I'm not going to grant you that relief. And yeah, that was, that was our response as well. So we took that case all the way up to the United States Supreme Court on an emergency application. The pastor just talked about uh, South Bay Pentecostal. They did the exact same thing. But we, we figured, look, if the casino is being uh, treated more favorably than the church, then surely, surely uh, we would get some relief here. But no, in a 5-4 decision, the United States Supreme Court said no. That is uh, just an absolute grave, grave injustice. I'm extremely disappointed uh, in that result. And, you know, we are very much concerned about the court's uh, ability to, uh, or really their failure to protect our constitutional liberties, to be honest. Uh, but there's good news. We're right at the, at the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals right now. We have oral argument uh, this December. That's right. I invite you to pray for us as we uh, continue to make that argument. And we have a chance, a likelihood of ending back up at the United States Supreme Court. Now, it's important because during this entire uh, episode, as we've watched these cases across the United States, some of the cases that have been cited have been 100-year-old decisions. These are precedents that have been around for quite a while. And so my point to you here tonight is the fact that, you know, this is a generational battle. What we're doing now matters not just for us in the present, but for our kids and for our grandkids as well. What's also important to know is that in the span of months, we saw how our, our liberties were, were affected. And so uh, it's, it's so important for us to... So uh, we won't, I just want to cut in here really quick, just, like, just to give you a, a kind of a, a little bit of history about the Ninth Circuit Court uh, of Appeals. That court in California used to be the most overturned court in the country. Um, and... It, and in recent years, uh, there's been some changes on that court. So that court is actually now uh, a court that favors us more than, than it used to, just so you know. So that's actually a good thing. And, of course, talking about the Supreme Court, uh, we have the Supreme Court, um, Amy, Amy uh, Barrett, who uh, is hopefully going to get confirmed before this election happens. So, uh, Randall, do you have any comments on that? On the anything you saw, counter. yeah. Oh well, yeah. It, that's it's the inconsistency. I can say, well, you know, I can hear the arguments. Well, you know, people gathering in church, you're gonna kill everybody. You know, like John MacArthur was saying. Okay, let's say it is a serious, you know, disease that's gonna infect, you know, eight out of ten people or whatever. It's it's highly transmittable. Okay. But in the case just cited about Mississippi, next door is a sonic drive-through. You can pull up, roll down your window, or doesn't pass cash if you've got it. You can receive food from someone. You can breathe on each other. That's good to go. But you pull in a church parking lot next door with your windows rolled up for a drive-through service and get cited. Or you know, in California, okay, you can you can you can gather it in a fifty percent capacity, but no singing. I mean, what? 
Right. I mean, right. like that's going to be any different than you could probably cough and sneeze all day, but <laughs> don't even sneeze. It's it's clear that in some, so many cases that there is a bias against well, people of faith against the constitutionally guaranteed freedom of religion and the free exercise thereof. Right. And just so you know, one of the things that they're going to be announcing at this event is that on October 25th, they want every church in America to open up. That's that's what they're calling for all the churches in America to open up. Because you know what? I was actually talking to a friend of mine in California last night. And she was thinking about moving out of California and telling me how dark it was and stuff. To, we, we talked to me and Randall. Talked, she's an old friend of ours from church. And um, I had no idea that all the churches in America had in California hadn't opened up yet. So it, it seems that there's still just like, you know, there are there are some, but not many. And by the way, this is being held at Calvary Chapel, uh, Chino Hills. That's where this event's actually being taken. It's it's live right now, um, and I am watching it. So I'm waiting for a couple people, uh, so we can have um, Randall cut back to that. But but so Hebrews. Uh, 1025 talks about not forsaking the assembling together. So they're, they're saying October uh, 25th, so 1025, uh, they want all the churches in America to open up. Um, so cut to Al, Al Mohler is on now, so if you can cut over to him, that would be good. You've been very disappointed that, for instance, the, the case of that Nevada church didn't even get heard by the Supreme Court. Clearly, we've got work to do there, and uh, now we have the opportunity. The, the protection of religious freedom is essential, as you said, to who we are as, as a people. It, it is absolutely uh, inextricably intertwined, as we say in constitutional law, with the history of this country. The Supreme Court has acknowledged many times over the years the deeply embedded religious heritage of this nation. If we lose that, we lose something really important about who we are as a nation, and I fear, and I know you do as well, we might actually lose God's favor and his blessing. Well, folks, this is where you need to participate. We need to call our senators and encourage them to support the nomination of Judge Amy Coney Barrett. Amen. And I'm going to show you how to do it. Now, my Amen. two senators actually support her, so I'm going to call yours. And here's the switchboard number, 202. Copy this number down, 224-3121. Congressional uh, May I speak uh, with uh, Senator Diane Feinstein's office, please? Okay, thank you. Are they actually there right now? Oh. Diane Feinstein loves abortion. Thank you for calling the Washington, D.C. office of Senator Diane Feinstein. Due to the spread of the coronavirus, we are temporarily changing our response to callers. We're checking this account regularly and will respond to all messages from constituents. If you're calling for more information regarding the coronavirus, the recently enacted legislation to provide economic relief, or need immediate help with a federal agency, 
please visit our website at feinstein.senate.gov. The website is frequently updated with new information. Yeah, if you'd is. like to leave a message, please do so after the tone. You can also email our office at inquiry at feinstein.senate.gov. Thank you. Uh, this is Tony Perkins with the Family Research Council. I'm with about 2,000 of Senator Feinstein's constituents. And we would like her to support, support Amy Coney Barrett for the United States Supreme Court. Thank you very much. There you go. <laughs> oh, she ain't going to like that. That is so easy, you can do it at home. That number, 202-224-3121. All right, so this is what we've looked at so far. We've looked at what the scripture has to say about churches meeting. We've looked at what the Constitution has to say about churches meeting. Now we want to look at what the science, what, what does the health care officials actually say? Let me read you a few headlines of what's at stake here. This is one of the headlines that uh, said this. It said, amid coronavirus, calls and texts to mental health hotlines are surging. Here's one from the Washington Post. The coronavirus pandemic is pushing America into a mental health crisis. Here's one from a publication of the American Medical Association. The headline, Suicide, Mortality, and Coronavirus Disease 2019, A Perfect Storm? Question mark. And this is what they actually said in the article. Many Americans attend various community or religious activities. Weekly attendance at religious services has been associated with a five-fold lower suicide rate compared with those who do not attend. The effects of closing churches and community centers may further contribute to social isolation and hence suicide. Last week, there was a declaration released which now has been signed, signed by almost 20,000 scientists and medical professionals called the Barrington Declaration, and it says it's time. And here to talk more about the health aspects of this is Dr. Dan Erickson. Please welcome Dr. Dan Erickson. I believe this is the doctor who's been silenced all over the place and threatened. Yeah. I recognize him. Yeah, that's the guy. He came out. And he's been, he's been, like, censored all over the place. <laughs> I, I love this church and uh, super thankful to be here. You know, we'd been seeing patients for about 90 days. And most of the patients we were seeing were, had mild illness. They, they had minor headaches. They had fevers. But we weren't seeing this sort of what was playing out in the news so February, March, April, I'm seeing patients, and I'm, I'm at home, and I'm talking to God at night going, what's going on? Because I'm not seeing what they're showing. I'm seeing a completely different picture. And then they started with the lockdowns, and my, my spidey senses started tingling, as yours did. And the hair on the back of my neck started to stand up as my liberties were getting stomped on and ground into the dirt. And I couldn't stand it anymore. And we did a, a, a series of videos. Some of you may have seen them. And, um, you know, the videos were just to say some basic science and some basic things I was seeing going, what is going on? What I'm seeing in the medical clinics is not what I'm seeing on the news at night. All of them were saying all these new cases. Well, y'all know what a new case is, right? A new case is a healthy person that tests positive for COVID. What we need to be tracking is hospitalizations and deaths. 
So when they, when they started with the lockdown, let me throw my glasses on here. When they started with the lockdowns, the hospital systems lost 30 to 40% of their volume. I was talking to all the CEOs saying, how are you guys doing? They said, we're empty. It's a ghost town. They were furloughing doctors, furloughing nurses. I called Texas. How's it going? My brother-in-law said, he's an orthopedic surgeon, board certified, been practicing for 20 years. That He said, uh, by the way, I'm non-essential. So apparently, if you fractured your hip and you can't walk, that's not an essential surgery. So I called, I called my partners around the country, and I said, are you seeing what I'm seeing? Is this unique to Central California? And they said, no, people are not coming in for care. They're staying at home for chest pain, staying home for abdominal pain. They're waiting days to come in. And what happens? They get a worse outcome. Chest pain on Tuesday, heart attack. They have myocardial death and this massive problem on Friday that could have been fixed Tuesday. But they were afraid of COVID. So fear, fear was becoming the biggest enemy of the medical system. And we were all kind of COVID crazy. And I would call the hospitals and I'd ask the CEOs, what, what percent of you, what percent of your hospital is COVID? And they'd say, mm, 12%, 15 And then I would walk the ERs myself in Central California. It was a ghost town. And I'm going, so I called around the nation. I did some Zoom interviews with biostatisticians and different doctors saying, what is going on here? And so the lockdowns came. Now we have some data to look back on. And the, the number I'd like to let the... Uh, media universe out there know is 99.6 99.6 if you if you were told you have something wrong with you and the doctor said oh, I got to give it to you straight you got a 99.6% survival rate <laughs> would you be gripped with fear I, I've had COVID. I've been through COVID. I know what it is. And what it is is a, 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 an illness that you will likely get through, 99.6 of you. If you're, you all know who the vulnerable are. We don't need to talk about that anymore. It's been at nauseum. You know who it is. We protect those people if they want to be protected. You know what I'm a big fan of? Letting people make their own decisions. Amen. That's right, people. If I'm 75 and I have cancer and I want to go out dancing, leave me the heck alone. So real quick, lockdowns, did they work? Were they effective? What, what does the data say? Uh, data came out this week on ex excess deaths, they called it, from 48 states. It revealed 122,300 excessive deaths in 2020. Well, they only accounted for about 78% of them. The other 27,000 were from people not seeking medical care. And that's in three months, folks. That's a, that's a study that was recently done. People delayed medical care to the shelter in place. They would call me afraid, asking for more Ativan because they were so terrified, shaking at home, hadn't left their house in three months. Ativan is anti-anxiety med. They got freed up a little bit. Just so you know. Uh, there were limitations on care. Like I told you, the orthopedic surgeons, I had primary care doctors in our neighborhood who were too scared to come out and see patients. So this, this was a, an absolute disaster. Uh, inpatient visits at the VA hospital dropped 42%. Is that because sickness dropped 42%? Absolutely not. Let me tell you who was staying home. Stroke, heart attack, heart failure, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, appendicitis and pneumonia. People died from acute illness because they would not seek care for fear. Yep. Another study, excess deaths in five states, Massachusetts, Michigan, 
New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, revealed large increases in non-respiratory underlying diseases. Diabetes illness and death went up 96%. Heart disease, 89%. Alzheimer's, 64%. Cancer diagnosis delayed because it was elective. Screening for cancer, it was elective, if you can believe that. So we must acknowledge that this increased death toll from shelter in place and lockdowns, it's a real thing. Lockdowns cause death. They, they keep people from medical care. Um, collateral damage of lockdowns. Ten times as many people texted mental health hotlines at the federal level. As we talked about, increased alcohol and drug use, increased domestic violence and suicide. And we have all these different approaches that we've seen. You know, Sweden took a different approach than we did. And I think we have something to learn from a sustainable approach where the schools are open, we're working, and people use individual liberty and personal responsibility to make decisions and not executive orders. Right. Personal responsibility, people. That's the key. Okay, i got to wrap it up here. One more thing. Dr. David Nabarro, WHO, today came out with this statement. Stop using lockdowns as your primary control method. He claimed there would be a doubling of the world's poverty and child malnutrition by 2021. So it's time to end the lockdowns and get back to work. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you, Dr. Dan. He's got to make a house call. Look, I had the coronavirus, and I survived as well. In fact, I've got the T-shirt. I survived. And I'm going to send the president one, too. So, so, why, so why has this happened? We see the biblical authority. We see the constitutional authority, even the science. It all supports the fact that the church is more than essential. We should be meeting. Why has this been happening? What does history have to say? Let us not miss what is actually happening. Turn your attention to the screen and watch very carefully this important video. Across the country in states where governors and state legislatures are dominated by progressive policies, there's been a concerted effort to restrict churches from opening their doors. As more and more pastors report being treated unfairly, it begs the question, is there a more sinister agenda at work? The New York Police Department says it has evidence that anarchist groups were pushing the protest toward violence and vandalism. Once again, violent protests erupting over the weekend. Two L.A. County Sheriff's deputies are in the hospital after they were ambushed in Compton, shot multiple times. Extremist organizations have infiltrated the protest intent on stirring up trouble. They actually do have an ideological frame. Um, myself and Alicia in particular are trained organizers. Um, we uh, are trained Marxists. Both the family and the church are under attack by Black Lives Matter and Marxist-Leninists across the globe. The Marxists are really driving um, the narratives. And unfortunately, a lot of Americans are deceived because they don't know what has hit them. Marxism is Karl Marx's specific um, take on socialism, which called for, for bloody revolution, for overthrow uh, of the government. And it was something that he predicted. The Marxist-Leninist uh, uh, movement uh, believes that the family uh, and God are the, 
opiums of the people and use uh, in useless constructions. And so they not only attack God, they uh, uh, attack the family. The leaders of Black Lives Matter are, are self-avowed Marxists. Uh, and, and what they had on their website, they talked about the destruction of the nuclear family. Well, we know, Tony, that the family is the incubator of liberty. You destroy families, you breed a dependency on government. And what we know about Marxism and Leninism is that those are godless philosophies. Uh, and so uh, these folks try to drive God and faith and religious liberty out of the public square. And they, they in fact, see a bureaucratic government as being the provider of our basic fundamental human rights. If you go and read the Communist Manifesto and then look at, at what they're saying on the Black Lives Matter website, they're talking about the destruction of the nuclear family. They're just uh, talking about the destruction of society, of capitalism. All of that comes straight out of what Marx uh, and Engels put in 1848 in that little dangerous book. My name is Virginia Prodan. I am a survivor of the atrocities of socialism. I grew up under socialists in Romania during the totalitarian regime of dictator Nicolae Ceaușescu, who transformed Romania into a land of lies and a prison land. Churches were demolished or destroyed. Pastors, preachers, dissidents, or arrested, killed, or simply disappeared. I was declared an enemy of the state. My legal work was an act of treason. If you go to the Black Lives Matter website and you read what they stand for, uh, what they stand for are not things that will improve the lives of Black Americans. And if you follow Antifa, they just really want to destroy the whole American system. Saul Alinsky, uh, you know, who wrote a book called Rules for Radicals, he was a Marxist, and it's his playbook that they're largely following. He said the thing is never the thing. And in other words, uh, the idea is revolution. It's it's uh, what we're seeing isn't revolution. We're seeing an attempted coup d'état, and there's a there's a difference in that. But uh, his meaning was you're you're always deflecting what you're really trying to achieve. So. Uh, you have pastors in pulpits who are uh, thinking that they're addressing racial injustice and that they're endeavoring um, to bring peace to their congregations, but what they don't understand is that's not the thing. This is all being used as a pretext, not for social justice, but for injustice. Look, Martin Luther King framed it in the 60s uh, and it applies right now. We have a choice to make. Do we accept and embrace chaos? or do we build community? Uh, justice cannot take root in, in chaos. And so folks who are chaotic and disruptive in the name of justice are, are, are living a lie. America is the best country in the world. Wake up, wake up before the atrocities of socialism will wake you up. America's freedom is on the line. And I know that some people who are watching this are thinking, well, this is just about the, uh, the right and, uh, um, you know, a, a bunch of religious coops, you know, or whatever. They, I, what I would say to you is this, you're a reasonable American. Um, life as you know it is on the line. You don't have to be a Christian. Freedom is at stake here. Ladies and gentlemen, there is much more 
behind this agenda. Joining us now, just all. I'm back. I didn't see myself. <laughs> Apparently, that happened faster than I thought. <laughs> good thing I, I was watching. I know you. it's a good thing I I didn't pick my nose. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay. So, <laughs> sorry, people. You know this would good, not be good viable. for them to call it out as it is. It's, yeah. it's a pretext. It has nothing to do with social justice. This is it's about injustice. Yeah. So what That's, I want it's a pretext for. Yeah. What I wanted to say was Virginia Prodan. Mm -hmm. You know, she's a friend of mine and Randall's. You know, she's been on this show. If you're new to the show, if you just happen to be tuning in, you don't know who we are. We've been doing this show 16 years, and Virginia Prodan wrote a book called um, Saving My Assassin, which is all about her story. In fact, I have a copy of it right over here on my bookshelf. It's all about her story about how she stood up to the communist uh, regime in Romania. And I did an interview with her, what, a month ago, two months ago, something like that? Not that long ago. Within the last couple of weeks, anyway. Go over to my YouTube channel, or if you're on Facebook here, you can also scroll through until you see the interview that I did with her. I think it was, did we go over nine? We, we went over a half hour, uh, over an hour, I think. And she told me afterwards that she thought it was one of the best interviews she ever did because she got to talk. She wasn't edited. She got mm -hmm. to tell her story. And she has such a burden to warn America about what's coming because she, she's been there. So I would encourage you to go to our YouTube channel and check that out. She's not only been there in in a government, in a socialist communist government, but she has seen the transition and how it came into power like it always right. has, going back to the going back to the Russian Revolution or, or you know, in uh in Cambodia, in Myanmar, Burma, whatever you go back, it's always the same thing. You can go back, read the Communist Manifesto in 1858, and it's the same way they play it every time. Uh, they go about by creating a crisis, destabilizing it, making it look like it's a grassroots thing. Nazi Germany, the Third Reich, that same, they came to power the same freaking way. Mm -hmm. it, it was, you know, they, they paid people, operatives to go out there and stir up trouble. Uh, you know, and start riots and loot and burn and all that kind of stuff. Uh, like it's this, you know, grassroots kind of stuff. Uh, you know, the brown shirts basically so they hired. And then when they were done, of course, Third Reich came to power and, and killed all the brown shirts as if they were the, you know, radicals and injustice. It's just, it's just deceit, deceit, deceit to establish um, an oligarchy. You know, a dictatorship. Yeah. Nothing new under the sun. Nope. So everybody, you know, this, I don't know how long this event is going. Uh, what I can tell you is that um, you can go finish watching it over at PrayVoteStand.org. The video, the live stream is over there, but, it you is? know. Yeah. Okay. I couldn't find it. Yeah. It's the YouTube video is, is uh, embedded in the page okay. there. But I'm sure, you know, I mean, I don't want to hijack the whole show. Right. <laughs> that wouldn't be good. But um, but thank you guys for tuning in. And seriously, go over to the website, Pray Vote Stand. I don't get any money from this. They will make some money. Um, you know, feel led if you feel led to support their work, go for it. 
Uh, if you feel led to support our work, go for it. You can go over to biblenewsradio.com forward slash give and donate over there. Um, and I want to say a special thank you. I know we didn't broadcast last night because I was at the Legal Shield Leadership Convention. Uh, it was a long day. I just couldn't do it. I just didn't have it in me. We might make it. We might do an extra show this week, though, to make up for it. Um, so if you're not on my text message list, you can text Bible News, that, that, that word Bible News, to 33222. That's Bible News to 33222. If you have a problem texting and you just want me to add your phone number, just message me somewhere in Facebook or. We need to come up with like a jingle or something. Bevel three, triple two, three, three, two, two, two. I don't know. Some kind of text Bible news to double three, triple two, three, three, two, two, two. I don't know. Just saying. Back to you. Cut to me. Anyway, so, (laughs) so how do I follow that? I mean, seriously, how do I follow that, people? Um, anyway, so yeah, there's some great resources sources over there. Um, you know, check it out and we will be back. I, there's, a, there's a lot of news going on. Um, but I will say what they covered as far as the black lives matter stuff. You know what you guys, that thing, uh, that ideology is straight from the pit of hell. And there are a lot of very ignorant people out there. And I, I mean that in the truest sense of the word ignorant promoting this stuff that is not congruent and it it doesn't it's not congruent with the word of god so which brings me to the next point two other points i gotta make join my daily disciples group if you want to be encouraged daily in god's word we have a team of people who are reading god's word every day right now we're going through the book of psalms if you struggle being in god's word jump in that group um and join it and then you can just watch people who are reading god's word every day randall and i went and read today two psalms uh tomorrow um stacy will be reading and me i don't i don't know i forgot but somebody else will be reading tomorrow and um you know comment encourage pray for one another um and then if you want to join my Bible study, I'm going to be starting the book of Revelation, which is, you know, the longest Bible prophecy book in the New Testament um, about the end times. Um, message me. Let me know. I'll put you on my email list for that. And then on Tuesday, every other Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Central Time, this is a live Bible study on Zoom. I don't do it here on the Internet. I do it on Zoom. So I interact with the people in the room, in the Zoom room. Um, you can become a part of that. Some of you are, so I appreciate that. Some of you I'd like to see, like Mia and others, Sean, Kevin, anybody who'd like to jump in on that Zoom Bible study with us, um, you know, just get in touch with me and we'll put you on the list and then you can join us. It's it's only an hour. We, we really do try to keep it to an hour um, because some of the people in it, they have babies to put to bed <laughs> and they have to. So we keep it, we try to keep it to an hour. Um you know, and then afterwards we can do some stuff. And one of the cool things about that too, is we're going to be doing some breakout rooms because we'll have enough people in there. I'll be able to throw you into some breakout rooms and, and then bring you back. That's kind of fun. If you're in the online networking, you probably experienced that, but if you're not, you, you will, you'll, you'll love it. So, um, and I think that is it. So watch our text message list, watch, 
uh, watch my social media page for when we do our show. I'm actually thinking of doing a show tomorrow night, but we got to, Randall and I got to talk. And I also want to get together with Pastor Tommy Norman, have her come back on as well. Um, we talked about doing something on Tuesday with her. So we're going to uh, see if we can get that going. Um, but um, vote, you guys, vote and pray and encourage other people to vote for God's standards, you know, um, which right now it's clear, you know, who you should vote for. It's clear who you shouldn't vote for. Um, so as Freedom Sunday, or the pray, pray, vote, stand, you know, um, take it to heart. And as I always say, be bold, people. Stand up, go with God, because he loves you. And thank you for tuning in tonight. I really appreciate it. Bye.